Hey, what's up, guys? This is Pastor Austin from Good Shepherd Church, and this is our podcast. So happy you're tuning in this week to stay caught up on what the Lord's doing in us and through us. I hope this content encourages you. I hope it challenges you, builds up your love for Jesus. Hope you enjoy the message. We love you. years of heavy drinking, I hit rock bottom on the night of November 4th, 2019. I was following Jesus, but not fully and wholeheartedly up to that point. On that night, I was drinking and driving, and I blacked out. When I came to, I saw a bright light and heard the voice of Jesus saying, enough is enough. I missed two 12-foot concrete barriers and almost hit a family of four head-on. After I was pulled from my truck, I was told that I barely missed that family, a mom, a dad, and two young children. I had crossed four lanes of traffic, jumped the curb, and went diagonal through those barriers. Not only could I have taken my own life, I almost took the lives of four innocent people. By the grace of God, I was given another chance, and I was released into custody of my best friend Bob and his wife Andrea. They never left my side and have been there for me on my journey to recovery. I, need, I needed help and the next day I packed my bags and I went to rehab and I spent 21 days over Thanksgiving praying for forgiveness and strength. I found out how important my life was and that I had something to offer others. I also discovered who my true friends were. The help and strength I got from my my family was a true blessing. They never really knew what I was going through, but did not judge or turn me away. They stood by me and supported me through it all. The hurt and pain that I had put my kids through those years of drinking, I can I can never get back. My daughter visited me in rehab. I had a knee to knee with Sarah, my daughter, and the counselor. I was told not to say a word and listen. Sarah told me all the pain and the hurt that I had put her and her brother through during middle school and high school and how angry she was. It crushed me that I was so self-centered and blinded by an evil addiction. What she spoke, what she spoke was all truth. I didn't even not, try not to defend myself. It was all true, and what they say, the truth hurts, but in my case, it also heals. The kids were very thankful that I made the, the choice to reach out for help. They have seen the changes in my life and we are starting to rebuild a very broken relationship. They're seeing a new dad and a new father. I visited my kids over the 4th of July and my son hugged me so tight and kissed me. He told me he loved me. That hadn't happened for many years. Four years before my accident, I became a member of Church on the Ranch in Colorado Springs. Pastor Scotty was a great mentor and friend. Pastor called me many times while I was in rehab and prayed with me. He was very understanding. He had always, he had also been where I was, and he could relate with all the pain. I give all the praise and the glory to, to God for keeping me focused and true to myself. The rearview mirror is small for a reason. I have a whole windshield in front of me and never want to look back. My past did not get me down, and I have fully walked with Jesus and share his word mentoring and serving others. 
I'm very blessed to belong to an amazing church and supportive community here in Loveland that has welcomed me as family and most of all as a friend. These, these verses jumped at me and they clung to me and I, I lived this way, I feel. in uh, it's Ephesians 6, 10 through 13. Finally, be strong in the Lord in the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the Eve, the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over their present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up that whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and have done all to stand firm. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24, and I did this. To put off your old self, which belongs to your former manner of life and is corrupt through deceitful desires and to be renewed in the spirit of your mind and put on the new self created after the likeness of God, true, righteous, and holy. The accident, the family I could have destroyed, the broken relationships were all due to an illness I let take over my life. I've chased evil away and walked with Jesus, serving and helping others to find peace and happiness within themselves. My God saves and redeems. Parker, I have prepared you for this. That is what I wrote in the margin of my Bible in early 1999. I had been having some time with the Lord and I felt him say this to me, but I had no idea what it meant. It was a bit unnerving because your mind wants to take you to places, bad places, and that's what mine did. But I had been walking with the Lord for many years already, and I knew of his kindness and his faithfulness to me. In the fall of 1999, I began having symptoms that were alarming to me and to those around me. I had numbness and tingling in my right arm to the point that I couldn't use it very well. I also had some cognitive issues where I couldn't think clearly and I was more forgetful. This was more than just being tired or too busy. I started some testing to figure out what was wrong with me. And in January of 2000, I was officially diagnosed with multiple sclerosis. We knew that I wasn't going to die from MS, but this was a serious illness that would greatly affect my ability to walk and play with my children and my grandchildren and possibly, possibly would lead me to being in a wheelchair. So I began a regimen of the medicines to treat MS soon after that diagnosis, and I saw a bit of a decline in the amount of symptoms I was having. The medicines were helping to combat the disease. However, the side effects of the medicines were significant also, and I spent four out of seven days a week in bed with fever and other flu-like symptoms. I also began to see that my liver was being damaged by these medicines and I wouldn't be able to continue on with them. 
I had to trust the Lord that he had truly prepared me for this, as he had said. And we continued to ask the Lord for his rescue of this disease. The book of James chapter 5 verse 15 says to call the elders to pray for the sick. And we did that a number of times as a family from January to August of 2000 while I continued with these medicines. A couple that attended Good Shepherd here knew of a doctor in Guatemala that was treating people with cancer and MS. And so we began to pursue that avenue of treatment. Many of my friends and family were suggesting that I just go to Guatemala, but I knew I needed to hear the voice of the Lord for myself. And in September of 2000, I felt like I heard the Lord's voice tell me to go. I had such a good peace in my heart that I was to go and that he would watch over my husband, Jim, and our four daughters, ages three to 15. So on on, uh, September 18th, 2000, I left with my dad to seek out this Guatemalan doctor and his treatment. And this adventure was not without some heartache and difficulties. I actually got sicker for a period of time, and I was very homesick without my family and friends. But Guatemala became a country that I just love, and I made some very special friends while I was there. The Lord was never far from me during that three months of treatment, and I returned home in December knowing that I was getting better, that through this treatment, the Lord was healing me. Although I can now say that I've been healed and free from MS for 21 years. One one of the most wonderful things that happened to me during this experience was the special encounters that I had with the Lord. There were so many times that all I could do was cry out to him in my loneliness and depression. And he was faithful to give me peace and even to speak assurances that he was with me and that he had heard my cry for help. Scriptures like Isaiah 54, 17, no weapon formed against you will prosper. And Isaiah 41, 9 and 10, you are my servant. I have chosen you and not rejected you. Do not fear for I am with you. Do not anxiously look about you, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Surely I will help you. Surely I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. And Psalm 3, 3 and 4. But you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory, and the one who lifts my head. I was crying to the Lord with my voice, and he answered me from his holy mountain. These are just a few of the scriptures that I felt like just blew off the pages of my Bible to encourage me. The Lord was faithful to hear my prayers during this journey with MS, but not just during that very difficult time. He continues to hear me from heaven every time that I call upon him. So I just give him all the glory for my healing because it truly is a miracle the Lord did through Dr. Rodriguez. I live my life as if I never had MS. My God heals and my God hears.
morning. My name is Joe Neville. Now imagine having a baseball card. Not just any regular baseball card, but the baseball card of none other than Mickey Mantle. Now, if I were to have this baseball card and be able to recite all the stats on the back, I would not be able to say that I know him. I wouldn't know Mickey Mantle because I would know only know about him. To give some backstory, I, like a lot of you, have grown up and been born into a Christian household. I knew all the Sunday school answers and gave my life to the Lord. But it wasn't until two years ago where the Lord showed me that just knowing about God is very different than knowing and pursuing Him. A point to mark in my story is when Caden Bush finally got me to come around and join the worship team. But quickly, our weekly guitar meetups would turn into hour-long conversations about God through the works of A.W. Tozier. We talked about what he's doing in our lives, how he is a loving God, and how we can love him back. I started learning how to go about having a relationship with the Lord of the universe. It was, um, <laughs> it was here where God taught me that though I knew I was getting better and drawing closer to him, I was very far from perfect. For instance, I have a problem with keeping the one right thing in my life the right thing. So through middle school and high school, I was very vulnerable to the temptations most kids face. So I know that it, what it's like to know the right way and want to go another way simply because it's more appealing. For the kids out there, and adults if they like cookies, it is the same situation where your mom tells you not to take the cookies from the cookie jar. But you do it anyways because you don't understand the natural consequences that come with it. It can be very hard going through this type of stuff because at that age you don't want to be an outcast. For me, what caused this was due to a lack of connection with God. I was trying to live my life on my own merit, but God was patient with me in showing me that He is the way, the truth, and the life. He was patiently pulling me towards a better life even if at the time I did not want to go down it. A while back, Caden brought up this teaching he had heard by, uh, from a guy named Bill Johnson called Living with a Dove on Your Shoulder. This method is a way to get closer with God. The idea refers to how the Holy Spirit is depicted as a dove who lands on Jesus when he is baptized. And when you think of a dove, it is meek. It is easy to scare off. So if taken literally, if you were walking around with a dove on your shoulder, you'd have to take every single step with the dove in mind lest it fly away. So to fulfill this teaching, we have to walk constantly keeping the Holy Spirit and God's plan in mind. He's uh, constantly asking him, what do you have planned for me? Or what should I do in this moment? And he is always there to guide me. These are the moments where he shows me his true love. It is this connection which helps define my faith. But trust me guys, when I say I fail this all the time, because I, I do all the time, but he's always there to help me. That was and very much still is a major work God is doing in my life. Create in me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Psalms 51.10. It's a verse I can go to when I'm looking for help and more refinement from God. And David also writes in Psalm 139.23-24, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way with me, and lead me into the way of everlasting.
And this is a challenge for me to constantly strive better, and it gives me a sense of hope that I may fail, but God will always lead me in the way of everlasting. God has led me to so much better. When I used to do my own thing, he somehow got me to strive to be near him the best I can. My heart now burns for the Lord. I look to get into the word every day. I try to pray or give thanks to him whenever I can, no matter how small the situation may seem. He deserves it all, and thanks be to him for where I am today. My God is patient, and he refines. Hey, isn't Jesus good? Let's pray. Lord, thanks for the stories that you've written in each of these people's life. God, thanks for Ed, that you met him right where he was at. In that car, in that accident, you spoke to him, and you called his name. You said enough was enough, and you brought him home. Thank you for healing Robin. Thank you for speaking with her and bringing your word to fruition. And God, thanks for JP, that you you ignited and you captivated his heart at a young age. I pray that that would continue in all of them, Lord. God, I pray today that you would stir up the story that's in each of us, that we would, we would all embrace the fact that you are authoring a faith, you are authoring a design that you have planned for our life, God. And I pray that we would lean into that this morning. Jesus, we, we ask that you would embolden us this morning. We pray that you'd fill us up with courage to share our testimony with those around us. We love you, Lord, and it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen, church. Come on, how good is that? We've been in this series, if you're newer this morning, or if you haven't been with us in a few weeks, maybe, but we've been in the series called uh, Here Too. And the first week, what we opened up is that, up is that we're, we're here to serve. And we just want to have this heartbeat and just this uh, pre-programmed response almost that just says, hey, whatever you need, I'm here to serve. I can help you out. And, and then the next week after that, we talked about that we're, we're really, ultimately, what we're here to do is encounter the Lord. We're here for us. We are people that are made for the presence of God. That is the that is the ark cast all throughout Scripture. That is what Jesus did first and foremost as he reconciled us back into the presence of God. And, and last week, I thought my wife did an awesome job unpacking this idea that, man, we are here to share. We're here to share about what God has done and to make disciples. We, we can't talk about kind of the purpose of what we're here to do without talking about the Great Commission. And just say, man, no, we got to share what, what God has done. we got to tell people about who he is and what he's up to. And, and part of this this week is we're going to talk about how we're here to testify. And it's almost a follow-up really to that message that, that I, I love the simplicity of one of our points last week that just said, uh, you should be trying to take conversations from the natural to the spiritual. After she said that to me, I was just looking all over scripture. I'm like, that is what Jesus did exclusively, right? I mean, that's how he operated. And, and hopefully you've had some chances. I know I had a couple chances. This week, I was talking with someone, just natural things, talking about the gym, talking about work. And I had this chance to pivot the conversation spiritually. But I think the follow-up question today is what we got to ask ourselves is, well, well, if people start asking spiritual questions, then what are we going to say? What are we going to do? How are we going to respond to people asking us, uh, what, why do you believe some of that stuff? And that's where we begin to open up with our, our testimony, our testimony. Uh, it's, it kind of has become Christianese in some ways, sharing a testimony, but it's, it's very simple. Uh, a testimony, even in a court of law, if you think about it, is just is sharing from a witness's perspective an account of what really happened. And so as we testify as believers, what we're doing is we're, we're giving God credit for our story. Our testimonies are ultimately about him. God is the hero of Ed's story, not Ed. 
God is the hero of Robin's story, not herself. God is the hero of JP's story. God is the hero of your story, not you. Jesus is what this is all about. He is the author and the perfecter of our faith. The story's about him. But now as we take that story and and we recognize what he's done in our hearts, once we proclaim it, Once we say it, once we declare what he's done, now we start to put that story that that is real in our own heart, but it becomes powerful now once we share it. Once it gets put in the public sphere, that's when it begins to have impact in the people around us. And so really what I'd like to do today is just open up a few few things that I want to encourage you with about your testimony. Because hopefully you walked into this room today and you have a testimony. You might say, well, my testimony is not as cool as their testimony. There is no such thing as a boring testimony. The the same grace that encountered Ed, the same grace that healed Robin, the same grace that called JP is the same grace. It's the same cross. It's the same Jesus that called your name. It's all the same. There is no such thing as a boring testimony. I think that's the first lie the enemy is going to tell us is that, well, you just just grew up in a Christian home and, and man, like the Lord just slowly became more and more real to you. You never really questioned his authenticity or his reality and it just sort of developed in you as you grew up. And I'm saying, man, that is, that is the cry of my heart for my kids, parents in the room. Lord, I pray they wouldn't have this rebellious season. I pray that they would just grow in their knowledge, grow in their affection, grow in their love for you. There is no boring testimony. There's, there's three things that I notice in scripture about, about testimonies. The first one comes out of John uh, chapter 9. I would encourage you to go and read John chapter 9 on your own this week. Um, but what happens in John chapter 9 is, is this blind man is healed by Jesus. So there's this man and he, and he was born blind and, and Jesus encounters him and, and he has compassion towards him. He picks up some dirt. You know, I really can't explain the science behind this, but he picks up some dirt. He spits in it enough to make mud. Like that's what you got to just kind of process about this moment is Jesus didn't just kind of like, you know, spit on it. Like he spit on it. <laughs> he made mud and he rubbed it on this dude's face and his eyesight was brought back to him. And, and the problem was Jesus did this on the Sabbath. And so there begins to be a lot of questions about how he was, how he was healed. Because, because in the Pharisees' mind, in the religious leaders' minds, there was no way that a sinful person working on the Sabbath could ever heal somebody on the Sabbath day because that was the day for rest. So clearly this person who had healed this man was in sin. So they're questioning everyone. They're questioning the neighbors. They're questioning his parents. His parents' response has got to be uh, the best response in the whole chapter where they just say, uh, listen, we don't want to get in trouble. He's old enough. Ask him. I can't wait till my kids get to that age. You know what I mean? It's just like, listen, they're old enough. Ask, you, t- you just ask them what they did. But, but the Pharisees are putting this man on trial and they, and they bring him back in. And they're saying, tell us, tell us, was it this sinful man who was working on the Sabbath, who wasn't honoring the law of God? He was, he was breaking one of the commandments. He was, he was working uh, on the Sabbath day. Is he the one who healed you? And I love this man's response here in John chapter nine. He says, whether he's a sinner or not, I don't know. But one thing I do know, though I was blind, now I see. Though I was blind, now I see. His, his testimony is so profoundly simple, isn't, isn't it? And that just is, it's so encouraging to my heart as I read this story because it reminds me of me. That when I, was, when I was in my late teens, early 20s, beginning to learn things about God, I was, I was learning things about God uh, teaching the Sunday school here <laughs> through, for the elementary kids. I was getting backstory on Jonah and the whale during the week and then I'd come and teach it going like, isn't this crazy? Because I was just learning it as like a 20 year old. (laughs) But the simplicity of his statement, was he a sinner? I don't know. How many of you know, was Jesus a sinner? Thank you. You're encouraging your pastor's heart this morning. 
Jesus was not a sinful person. It's because of his pe- perfection that I can have boldness to enter into his presence, in fact, because it's his perfection that God sees on me. So no, he's not sinful, but this guy doesn't even know that. I mean, that's almost step one of the gospel. And he doesn't even know that step. All he knows is what God has done to him. All he knows is the encounter with the Lord that he's had. And so listen, listen to me. I love theology. I think theology is so important. I love the Bible. I love the stories of the Bible. I love that our kids hear the stories of the Bible every single week that they're here. But can I tell you something? There is, there is nothing that your friend that's asking you spiritual questions needs more. Like they don't need just like, well, this is how it happened for Moses. Well, this, this is how it happened for the Apostle Paul. No, they, they want to know what happened to you. They want to know how God encountered your heart. They want to know what it's like that God speaks to you. They don't want to just know the scripture verse that says, oh, well, you know, Jesus is the good shepherd and the sheep hear his voice. No, they want to know what you think his voice sounds like. They want to, they want to know what's going on in you. you. You don't have to be an expert to start sharing your testimony. Uh, I, I've kind of, I've put my, all my chips in the basket of like, I'm going to teach the Bible for the rest of my life. So I love the Bible. So don't get me wrong when I say this next sentence, but, but theology isn't going to be what people need the most at any given moment. They need to know that God can heal, that God can save, that in the midst of whatever they're going through, that God can show up and God can do profound things, that God can redeem, that God can restore. They don't always need chapter verse. We can give them chapter verse later. But what we need first and foremost is we need to know that God encounters his people. The second thing that I noticed out of, out of scripture, this is in the book of Revelation, Revelation 12, 11, uh, it says this, and they being the church, they, the saints, the believers of God, they have conquered him. Him is the devil, the enemy. So the church has conquered the enemy by two things, the blood of the lamb and the word of their testimony. Amen. Listen to me. Uh, so we just said, you, you don't have to know everything to, to know how to start telling your story, to start sharing what God has done. Uh, the book of Revelation, it gets fought about probably more than any other book in the Bible. Amen. Somebody like last year was like, you should preach on Revelation. The world's falling apart. I was just like, ha, that's hilarious. I'm not even sure I understand all of what's going on in Revelation, but here's what I do know. God wins and so do we. Amen. And so here's, here's what's awesome. It says that we will conquer the enemy, the church will conquer the enemy by the blood of the lamb. And that's just your confidence this morning that it's not gonna be by our own merit that we win this thing. Jesus has won this thing. He's the hero of the story. It is by his blood, by his mercy, by his grace that we are saved. But then put right up with that is by the word of our testimony. So there's a lot of things going wrong in our world right now. And there's a lot of things where you say, man, I just wish the church would step up. And I, I agree, like I look at what's going on in Afghanistan. I look at what's going on just in the country that we're living in. And I go, man, I just wish the church would rise up. And one of the ways the church is gonna rise up and not gonna do well, not gonna kind of fare a little better, the way the church is gonna conquer the enemy is by sharing their testimony. Like with words, out of your own mouth. Hey, guess what God's done in my life? Guess how God's captivated my heart? Guess who God is to me? Guess what he tells me? Guess what he's teaching me right now? And when we start to share that testimony, that, that is going to be one of the ways that we get to see the conquering of the devil. Amen? And so church, it's pivotal that we share. This is, this is our move. It says that the church, they, they loved not their lives even to death. And no matter, no matter what the stakes are, no matter what's going on in the world around me, I'm going to share the testimony of who God has been and what he's done in my life. Here's the last thing that I want to say. When you, your story is powerful when you share it. The last thing I want to share is out of 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15. 
This is one of my favorite passages of scripture. It says, but in your hearts, honor Christ, the Lord is holy. Sanctify him, set him apart in your mind. Yes, Jesus is a friend and that's good news. But if we drift too far into the Jesus is my homeboy kind of theology, we lose this reverence for him. That no, he's, he's sanctified as Lord. He is set apart. We are not the same, Jesus and I. He is King of kings and Lord of lords, and I, Lord of lords, and I honor him as holy. And as that, what Peter's encouraging the church right here, the church is facing steep persecution. They've been scattered all over this region. And he's encouraging them. And he's saying, hey, listen, always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. As in, you have a story to share. Everyone has a story to share. Your friends, they don't need to hear your pastor's story. Your friends, they don't need to hear uh, the Bible stories. Once again, they, they need to hear the story that God is doing in you. What is the reason for the hope that's in you? This is Peter's command to the church. Always be ready to give a defense for why you believe what you believe. So you should be rehearsing. You should be taking time to inventory and go over, okay, God, what is it that you did for me this week? God, do you, oh my gosh, I remember when I was in this season. God, oh, I'm just so thankful for how you set me free from what I was facing before. You should be practicing, rehearsing your testimony, getting it in your bones so that you, so when someone asks you, hey, you go to church, what's that like? Why do you do that? And you begin to have this testimony that just opens up out of you. We should, we should know for the reason, we should know why we have this hope that's in us. Katie and I were at dinner last night and uh, we were at this restaurant and, and we were kind of giving this restaurant a last shot. You ever been there with a restaurant? We're like, man, one more try, okay? Got some good things going on, but let's one more try. And, and the restaurant recently, since COVID, we haven't been there in a while, they, they redid like a lot of their decorations and they had new plates and they had a new menu and all this stuff was like really beautiful. And Katie just goes, um, she's like, they, they think the problem's their process, but their problem's the product. And I was just like, whoa, that, that'll preach. That'll preach right there. I was like, that was, a, that was a profound, amazing. Like, I just was like, shut, you're, you're preaching again tomorrow. You know what I mean? But, but listen, I, I love that phrase, that'll preach. As a preacher, I'm always, like, my life is like looking for stories. And my kids, I'm sorry, guys, I love you so much. But like, I'm looking for stories everywhere I go. Everywhere I go, I'm just like, okay, what a story. what's something that'll preach? Can I tell you this? Nothing is gonna preach like a changed life. Nothing will preach like a changed life. Uh, like we're going to come in here and we're going to open up the Bible every single week and we're going to try and dive deep into what scripture has to offer us because, because scripture is the foundation that we stand on as we just handed them out for all the first graders. That, that is our lifeblood. We're going to come back to scripture. It is true. It is our compass. And, and there is no greater power that'll preach like a transformed life. If your friend starts to see the things that are going on in you, if your friend can understand that, man, well, you had this season before God, then you had this encounter with God, and now this is your life after that, I want some of what you're drinking. And so what I want to do this morning, we're going to go back into worship, and then we're going to do some baptisms, and it's going to be awesome. We're going to sing, we're going to celebrate, it's going to be a good time. But I, I don't want to move past this moment without just giving you an opportunity. Maybe you're sitting here going like, I actually don't think I have a story that I could share. I don't, I'm not trying to overhype up a moment or make this all emotional. I just want to say, man, if this was your moment where you just want to go, I want to begin a story. I want to start a story with the Lord right now. Then I want to just give you the space to do that. Because there's only one thing that you have to do. And that's just to surrender your life. Well, it's not an easy thing. I'm not, I'm not promising that it just all your problems are going to go away. But once you surrender your life, Jesus says, when you confess with your mouth and declare with your heart that he is Lord, I'm not Lord of my life, he's Lord. He's Lord. 
then I will be saved. That's the moment when I'm saved. And so if you want to begin that moment right now, I just want to invite you just to pray this with me. And church, could we all just kind of close our eyes, bow our heads for a moment? Lord, we are sinful. Oh, we've, we've, we've literally, we've missed the mark. Just as even JP's, uh, in, in JP's words, we, we've taken the cookies out of the cookie jar when we knew we weren't supposed to. And God, for the people in this room right now who, who are saying, uh, I need, I need to begin this story. I pray that you would just pray with me like this. God, that you, even though I've sinned, you have paid for that penalty through your son's blood on the cross. That Jesus freely, lovingly laid down his life so that I could be reconciled with him. And in response to that good news, our, our only response is to lay down our life and say, Jesus, would you be Lord and Savior of my heart? Would you be Lord and Savior of my mind? Would you be Lord and Savior of all of me? Church, would we all just stand for a moment as we go into worship together? The, the problem's not knowing that we have a testimony. The problem's sharing our testimony, amen? I don't know about you. I, I could have us all raise our hands, but maybe be a little embarrassing. How many of us have shared our testimony in the last three weeks with somebody? It's not, it's not all that common. And so my prayer right now is that we'd be filled with courage and boldness. Uh, Acts 4.13, it's, it's one of my life verses. Peter and John are in front of the religious leaders. And the religious leaders notice these are just uneducated, common men. <laughs> it's the same root word that we get the word idiot from. Man, these are just a couple idiots. But the next line is critical. It says, but it's clear they've been with Jesus. That's my, that's my life verse right there. I don't got that much to offer, but I have been with him. I know what he's like. And so I'm going to pray right now that we'd be filled up with courage and with boldness and just be led crystal clear by the Holy Spirit on who to share our story with. Amen. So would you pray with me? Jesus, thank you for the testimonies that you have written all over this room. I pray that you would fill us up with, with the courage to go out and share. It's to say, though I was blind, though I was dead, though I was addicted, though I was set back, though I was sinful, I have been set free. God, you have saved me. And God, would that, would that truth just resonate so deep in our bones that we couldn't help but get it out to the people that we're talking with and walking with. I pray that you'd help us share our testimony with power, that we would see people come to know you that we would see uh, just a, a revival start, not, not cry out for it to happen somewhere else, but it would start right here in our own hearts this morning, Jesus. I pray that you'd stir us up, stir us up, Lord. We love you. We give you this morning. We're thankful for what you're doing. And it's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.